0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 28, How to Raise Confident Children. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Back in November, right when my podcast was just first getting started, in fact, I'd only published three episodes at the time, I attended a branding workshop to help me get focused and gain clarity about my mission and what I hoped this podcast would offer to listeners. The workshop was put on by Allison Faulkner, who many of you might know as The Allison Show on Instagram, or you might listen to her popular podcast, Awesome with Allison. I went into the workshop knowing that I was going to get some valuable guidance on building my podcast, and I also knew that I was going to get some good laughs. Because Allison is known for her completely out of control dancing, (laughs) which I might add did not disappoint because there was some pretty great dancing at that workshop. But what I did not know as I headed into the workshop was that I was going to meet some truly incredible women who would brainstorm with me and encourage me and who would become future guests on this podcast. And today I'm interviewing one of them. And honestly, she's probably the most important person who was at Allison's workshop that day, because without her, Allison wouldn't even exist. I am interviewing Allison's mother today on 3 and 30, Marilyn Faulkner. And let me tell you a little bit about this incredible woman, because though she will gladly claim the title of Allison's mom, there's so much more to her than that. She has a master's degree in literature and four, almost five published books. Her first book is called Back to the Best Books, How Classics Can Change Your Life, and it gets rave reviews for how she unpacks those must-read classic novels that we all hear about and helps to make them relevant and inspiring to our individual lives. And I, as a former high school English teacher, am really excited to read that one. And she's done the same thing with the scriptures, making them relevant to our lives and exciting and interesting as she's published the user-friendly Old Testament and the user-friendly Book of Mormon, Timeless Truths for Today's Challenges. And her next book in the series, A Guide for the New Testament, will be published in July. And I will put links to all of those books in my show notes if you're interested in checking them out. On top of all of that, Marilyn and her husband, Craig, have raised five rock star kids who, like their mother and their father, have followed all their passions and found success in their chosen paths. I already mentioned Allison, who's a writer, podcaster, and a branding expert. And you may also know of Allison's sister, Andrea Williams, who's the founder of Tubby Todd Bath Company, which is a great company that sells all-natural body care products for little ones and for moms. And then the three boys in the family aren't slouches either. Kirk got a master's in screenwriting from NYU. Evan is the head of acquisitions for a real estate investment trust. And Blake works for the global marketing team at Adobe and is headed to graduate school soon. So some really impressive kids. Um, But I do want to emphasize that it's not just what they do, it's who they are. Kind, vivacious, committed, service-oriented, and confident people. And isn't that what we all want our kids to grow up to be? So my question is, how do we raise kids like this? And Marilyn's going to give us a little insight today. I'm so thrilled to have her on the podcast so, Marilyn, welcome to 3 and 30 podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, we, uh, we've been kind of giggling along, having fun off- Off-air. Off, Off-air. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but uh, I, I really, it, it's much easier to think of what you did wrong with your children and the mistakes you made. Um, and it is very hard to go back and say, well, what have I done? I mean, something happened. It can't be pure luck that, that they seem to be doing pretty well, but I did often say to them as I was raising them, just make a note of this because you'll need to tell it to your therapist later. And I was kind of kidding, but that has actually come true and they have actually (laughs) talked to their therapists about the mistakes I've made. So I just like to start out by saying all you moms, uh, it's okay if you're screwing up, as long as you do a few things right, it may turn out okay.
0: I love that. That's such a hopeful message. And yeah, (laughs) we actually recorded once and then it got erased. So we're recording again and marilyn has been such a good sport um, and we were laughing about our mishaps but one thing that she mentioned because she's heard that intro twice now that's the second time one thing that she mentioned to me was that she she really wanted to emphasize that this is not just her that this is her husband Craig too who has taught the kids this confidence and this entrepreneurial spirit spirit and all of these things. And so, I love that you wanted to include him and we're going to be talking about you today and your motherhood. But um I got to know I've gotten to know him a little bit from following Allison's Instagram account. He was battling cancer last year and she would post videos of him during his treatments, kind of dancing in the bed, and I literally just like <laughs> fell in love with his positive attitude and so so I, I knew him from Instagram, but I hadn't seen that much about you. And so when I met you at Allison's workshop, I just like you were my favorite part of the workshop.
1: Yeah, well, that it was wonderful to meet you, too. I have to say that I'm a very odd person that, that, that the only people in the world that I'm jealous of our high school English teachers.
0: Really? Well, you would have been a fabulous one.
1: Well, it's what I sort of always probably should have done. Um, but when I was in college, I, my rebellious attitude came forward because all the girls were majoring in education. And I thought, well, I'm just going to do something else. And all the rest of my life, I thought, I should have been a high school English teacher. That's really what I was sort of made to do. But anyway, <laughs> I'm glad you did it. Somebody needed to do it. So I'm really glad about that.
0: Well, I'm so glad we've connected and we have so many like similar interests. And I just really admire you as a mother. Well, thank you. And one thing that I loved that you told me at Allison's Workshop was we were in our little small group meeting together and you and I were talking and you said how meaningful it was for you to see your grown child up on the stage teaching doing her thing and just realizing how like how confident and how she was shining and in her element and what that was like for you as a mother to watch that i just loved that i love that because i'm a mom of little kids still i 3 and 7 and so it gave me great perspective to think they're going to grow up and be awesome people and i sometimes the tantrums and everything that I'm going through right now seem so hard, but it's going to be worth it.
1: well, yes, and it's uh, they're going to start to bring stuff to you. that's uh, i I was raised by a wonderful mother who was not a very confident person. Um, she had a great many fears. She suffered from some depression. And, in fact, after my father died, uh, she didn't leave her house basically for the next ten years. it was It was my dad who really, helped her get out there into the world. She had eight children, and she liked being in her home. But the, the positive side of that was that we were her friends. Mm. She just loved us, and she got the biggest kick out of us. And she enjoyed us so much. And as we got older, she was always saying, oh, you teach me so much. I learn so much from you. And uh, I think that was a great confidence builder in all of us. But it was also a big surprise to me that when my kids grow up, it's true. You learn so much from them. And it's such a thrill when they can turn around and bring that wisdom and um, insight to you. Uh, instead of you having to do everything. (laughs) It's pretty great. So it is something. Young moms, look forward to that. Your kids will grow up and and they'll be smart, interesting people, and you'll really enjoy knowing them. It'll be fun.
0: Oh, it does give me so much hope to think about with my little ones. So we're going to talk today about raising confident kids. And I wanted to make the point before we start that confident doesn't necessarily mean outgoing willing to dance in front of thousands of people like Allison. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't mean that they have necessarily will have big careers or in the public eye. To me, what it means is just that they are confident in who they are and what they offer the world. And just even sometimes that's just quiet confidence. So what would you add about that?
1: Well, I think that's absolutely true. Um, We're raised in a system where we are rewarded for things that show. If we test well, if we can play the violin, if we can sing, if we get straight A's, we get lots of kudos if we're good athletes. And um, I used to say to my kids who have really none of those skills, they tried, uh, but we we just don't, my husband and I don't either. I used to say to them, your talent is your personality. And I I echo what you're saying, Rachel, in that it doesn't necessarily need to be a huge personality because you think of uh, the night that you had a baby in the middle of the night, the nurse that came in and sat with you and was quiet with you, how much you appreciated that. I mean, there are things that we can bring to the world uh, that are different than just being huge and visible Mm. and I think that early on hopefully we can appreciate the gifts that our children have and begin to encourage them that that little set of gifts that they have can make the world a better place and it won't necessarily be the ones that are on television
0: yes I love that your talent is your personality so I think that is such a perfect lead-in to what we're going to talk about Um, what is your first takeaway or bit of advice for us about how to raise kids who are confident in who they are?
1: Well, I think um, the first thing that I would like to emphasize is that criticism is dangerous stuff. Uh, Criticism is very powerful, it's dangerous, and I think we should consider it more like a medical procedure than like a way of life. Uh, I heard some advice early on in my marriage that made a big difference to me. Uh, A man said, if you think of your marriage as building a wall or a fortress or a structure, when you criticize, you're taking bricks off and you simply can't build a wall by taking bricks off. So sometimes you have to take a brick or two off. Something is defective. It has to happen, but it's something that should be done carefully and thoughtfully because when we begin to criticize a child, we are, in a sense, deconstructing that child for a few moments. Mm -hmm. One thing that is true about criticism is that it's generally very specific I am criticizing you because your room is messy. I'm criticizing you because you eat with your mouth open. Um, but when I praise you, I generally am not as thoughtful. I'm not very specific. I'm just, honey, you're a good girl. That was a good job. And that means that my criticism is more powerful than my praise. And so I'm actually taking more bricks off because my, I'm using powerful criticism. Mm. So uh, I, I love a book by Stephen Covey called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read it many, many years ago, and he talks a great deal about that in this book. And one of the things that he asks you to think about, which I have thought about, if you think about it in this way, it will help you. He he talks about criticism and praise as deposits and withdrawals from a bank account. We have an emotional bank account with every person in our lives, Mm -hmm. and we are making deposits into that bank account by the positive, supportive things we say. We're taking withdrawals out when we criticize. And there's a balance and you can get overdrawn. And when you think about the number of criticisms that a child receives every day, not just from you, but from all of the encounters they have, their friends are mean to them, their teachers are tough on them, and then they come home and you've got stuff to say Mm -hmm. to them. It's pretty easy to get overdrawn. Um, And so we need to be thinking, Before I say something critical, have I made enough deposits that there's money in the bank? They can stand it. You know, they can take it. We won't get overdrawn. Uh, I think that's a very good thing in marriage as well, by the way. Um, If your children hear you as a couple uh, taking bricks off the wall all the time, um, that also will erode their confidence. Uh, it's It's just a kind of a feeling in the home where we're either putting bricks on or we're taking bricks off. So that's the first one. Criticism is dangerous. You cannot build a wall by taking off the bricks.
0: That was a major light bulb for me when you said that criticism is usually specific and praise is usually general. I'm like, oh, yes, that is so true. And I did want to point out to listeners that last week, or I guess it will be two weeks ago since when your episode airs, there was, we had a licensed marriage and family counselor on who talked about specific ways to praise our children. So it's not so general, it is more specific. And so it's, if people want to listen to that episode, they'll have some ideas of how to make some deposits into the account so that when they need to make some withdrawals and make some corrections, there's a, there's enough um, positive in the account to not overdraw that relationship with that child.
1: Yeah, I listened to that episode and I got so excited about that because I had the point that criticism is specific and praise is not, but he just takes it so much farther of showing you like four different ways that you can positively praise uh, your children and really build that. I I thought it was fantastic.
0: Well, thank you. I thought it was great too. What's his name again? Um, Tony Overbay. Tony Overbay.
1: Okay, great. That was great. Yeah.
0: And then, what is your second takeaway about how we can raise confident kids? Uh,
1: I think that it's wise to treat your child like an intelligent adult, like the intelligent adult you hope that they will become, and I think they will become that person. Um, I read a book many years ago called Miss Manners' Guide to Perfectly Perfect Children. I think it's called. Isn't very funny, and um, one of the things that she talks about in that book is how to talk to a child. And her whole point is, you should talk to a child like they are an adult. In other words, if you're sitting next to a child at a meal, what would you say to an adult? Well, you'd ask them about their favorite books and movies and what they like to eat and what they like to do. Um, You wouldn't talk to them like a child or like an adult. You just talk to them like a person. Mm. Um, Once again, I was very fortunate in having a mother who who needed a friend. She had four sons before she had me, (laughs) and she was ready for a girlfriend. And from the time I was very young, she talked to me just like a friend. And in fact, she talked to all of us that way. But I particularly felt, because I also loved to read and she loved to read, uh, she talked to me like I was a friend. I don't ever recall, I was raised in in a religious home where we went to church a lot, but I don't ever recall my mother, like, telling me to read my Bible or read my scriptures or do those things, but she had one on a wire rack on the kitchen table, and in the midst of her chores, <clears throat> she'd always go over and she'd read a little bit. And one day when I was about 10, she said to me, Marilyn, <clears throat> I have a question. Do you think Jesus was married? And I just, uh, I thought, what? And she said, well, you know, he's 30 years old. He started. I me. Mean, she had this whole thing. She'd been thinking about this. It was a pretty intellectual question and even a controversial one. Mm. Uh, They they weren't talking about anything like that in the children's primary at church, (laughs) let me tell you. (laughs) No. She said, well, look, he could stand up in the synagogue. and You can only do that if you're married. I mean, she just treated me as if I was on an intellectual level with her. Well, I scurried into my room and got the little New Testament that they had given me at church, and I started to read it. And I read the New Testament when I was 10 in order to be in the conversation with my mother. Mm. I think there's something very, very uh, important in that. In that, if you are having interesting conversations with your children, they will scramble around and try to get smarter and brighter in order to engage in that conversation.
0: Yeah. And what strikes me about what you just said and that story you shared about your mom is. Um, talking to your children at all. Like I think that it's easy to just uh, address them about the things, specific things that you need to like pick up your room or how was school or but to engage in conversation with them as a friend just like you would if someone else was visiting your home I think is huge to show them that I see that you're there. I recognize you. You're important to me. You're a a valuable companion. So talking to them about the things that matter to you and that you're thinking about and letting them into that
1: world. You know, just, just, I I am interested in your opinion and I'm just going to let it flow here and let you just kind of talk to me. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah. I do think that this also builds on your first takeaway about criticism because you wouldn't criticize an adult as freely as you sometimes criticize a child.
1: Oh, heavens no. You wouldn't talk to your worst enemy the way you talk to your children. (laughs) (laughs) Or else you wouldn't have any friends. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So you have to, and and along that line, you have to be very careful. Um, You don't say, you don't label your friends. You don't say, you always do this. You never do that. You're this kind of a person. You know, or else that person would stop going to lunch with you.
0: Um, and, yeah.
1: and, and so I think you need to be very, very careful once again with your children of just kind of throwing out these blanket statements about what they're like and who yeah. knows what they're like, Yeah, because I don't like people to tell me what I'm like, you know, ex- unless they tell me I'm lovely and funny. <laughs> so I, I think these blanket statements are, are, um, are a little bit dangerous and it, it, that goes with the criticism. It kind of goes with the talking to them like they're an adult to, you know, treat them with that respect. Yes, definitely. And then what's your third takeaway? My third takeaway would be to go ahead and have a fulfilling and productive life of your own as you raise your children. Uh, You should model happiness for them. Um, When I left college, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but my graduate director handed me the honors reading list from our university and said, read these books while you raise your children and it will help you think what you want to do next. And I didn't really and I thought I'm eventually I'll get married and raise children and that will be forever. That's what raising children feels like is forever. Mm-hmm. And I even had 5 of them. So that's a bigger investment in time. That's more like 30 years than 20. Yeah. But most people only spend a couple of decades raising your children and we really live to be old these days. And so I I actually did that. I began to read those books. And as I read those books, as I raised my children, it had a big effect on how I raised my children because we were talking, I listened to books, we we talked about books. Also, I began to get more and more focused on literature and realized I wanted to get a master's degree. Uh, And I was 40. When I, did, mm-hmm. when I went back to get my master's degree, I drove to the university the day that I dropped the fifth child off at preschool for the first wow. time. I mean, it was that day. School had started two weeks before, but I had to wait till the last child went to preschool. <laughs> so I went and got there two weeks late. But then for the next few years, uh, five years, it took going part time. My kids did homework with me. I had homework to do, they had homework to do. They listened to Dickens in the car because I needed to get the book read. They were involved and I was involved and they all came to see me get my master's degree and it was a great moment. I got a little, I get a little choked up thinking about it because I think they were as thrilled as I was. Mm. And there is a real fine line between, it's very much a me generation and everybody's got to go out and do their own thing. I really believe in sacrificing to be with your children as much as you possibly can and in giving them some of the years of your life, but don't give them your whole life. Hmm. Have a life. And um, so I did, I stayed home with my kids as much as I possibly could, even though we were building a company and I had to work at times. But there came a day that um, they also needed to help me begin to get some life going too. And I yeah. think they roll with that and, and it helps them see that life is long and that, and that there's a lot to it. Yeah.
0: Well, and I love the point that you made that you were modeling happiness for them. You were modeling the things that you loved and giving them permission to follow their dreams and love what they loved. As they grew older, I feel like I have a personal experience with that just this past year um, where I I've always been home with my kids. I taught for five years. And then when my son was born, I decided to stay home. I felt Uh like um, I was raised in a religious culture where that's encouraged. And so it felt like what I should do and also what I wanted to do, I did. And I did it for about six years, and honestly, it was very, very difficult for me every single day. I I missed this teaching part of my life and who I am, and I really struggled thinking, why don't I love this more? Isn't, isn't it supposed to be natural for me to just nurture? And last year, I kind of looked in the mirror one day, and I just realized this this doesn't fit like and how long am i going to try to force myself into this box that doesn't fit and i'm not happy and that's not good for my kids either to see that their mom's not happy and i really thought i mean there was a lot of guilt that went into this and tears and But I really, in the end, thought I would want Sally to do what she loved and to not feel like she had to be a full time stay at home mom if that isn't what fit. And so this year, I decided to put my daughter in a four day a week preschool. That's most of the day. It's similar to what my son does in first grade. And I started this podcast and I started working some for my husband for his business. And when my kids get home from school, I am all in. So they get home about two, and I'm like, Feeling fulfilled and I'm all in and I feel like I've never been happier as a mother because of the decision that I made to follow my heart and realize that I didn't have to fit in the same box as I thought that I would or that as I saw other women in and that it was okay that my kids would benefit from seeing me model that.
1: Well, I applaud you for that. You know, we have started two companies over the years. And um, when we started the first one, Andrea was a baby and and Kirk was in kindergarten. That means I had four kids under the age of six. And because, you know, I was 26 wow. when I started having babies and I thought, oh, I'll just have four or five babies in 10 years and this will be great. You know, it just didn't even seem like a big deal. <laughs> I really had no idea what I was doing. So anyway, I, when we had this idea, well, I needed to write the products. Uh, Craig was a stockbroker and he had come up with a, a training course to do and it ended up being 500 pages in 13 binders with 350 slides. It was a year of work that we did on this. And then after that, I needed to go into work to continue to write products. So I had these little girls that were not even preschool age, and I had to take them, put them in daycare for a few hours a day. So I understand what you're saying. I also uh, had the same reaction as you. I had been working a few years when I had my first child, and to me, I thought I was just going to love it. And instead, it seemed like watching paint dry. You know, I was just kind of around the house and there was no one to talk to. And, yeah. and and so as my daughters have come forward and it turned out in our family, the two girls are the Craigs. The two girls have really inherited my husband's entrepreneurial spirit. And that means they have to go to work. And I've, I've been behind them 100% on that. I feel like they're wonderful, committed mothers of three children each, and they are tremendous with their kids, but they are making the life that is presenting itself to them. And that is a tricky thing to do. It doesn't look like anyone else's life. Yeah. And that's one of the things that you have to, as a parent, I think you need really support your children and say, Hey, you know what? Your life doesn't need to look like mine. Mine doesn't need to look like yours. It just needs to be a good life.
0: Yes. And I do feel like I want to emphasize that for for some women being home fulfills them and they have a wonderful natural instinct oh, yes. uh, with their children. And they do all the things well that I honestly wish I could do, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And again, this goes back to like, your personality is your talent. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to work to be valuable or not work to be valuable. It's just knowing who you are and then having the confidence to say, I can pursue that. And it's okay for me to be me.
1: Absolutely. My son, Evan, his wife was a world-class soccer player and a CPA and of all the women in our family who I thought would go on working after they had children, it would be Megan. Um, but she found as she had her babies that she was, she was working as a CFO of a company. And she found as she had her babies that she just loved being home with her children. And she was good at it. And she kind of brings that same type A personality to it where she can't do it halfway and she is the greatest stay-at-home mom you've ever seen and it's but i once again i so respect her for just embracing that about herself and and saying hey who cares if i'm a cpa that can i just set that aside for a while anyway i love it i love it and i think that's part of confidence is just is just being able to say my life and my love doesn't look like anyone else's yes
0: and showing our kids that they can do that too So I love those three takeaways. I was wondering if before we end, if you could recap them to remind the listeners of what we've learned.
1: We begin with the idea that criticism is dangerous ground. Be careful when you tread on it. You cannot build a wall by taking off the bricks. The second one is to treat your child like the intelligent adult you hope they will become. And Mm -hmm. I think they will become that intelligent (laughs) adult. And the third is to have a fulfilling, productive life as you go, as you raise your children and model happiness for them. And that will be the biggest example they could have.
0: Yes. And these three things will definitely help them to gain that confidence and self-assurance that we want all of our kids to have So I thank you so much, Marilyn, for your time and your wisdom. Um, I did want to read when I first asked you to come on and we were kind of brainstorming some ideas about what you could talk about. You said this part in your email that I loved and I wanted to read that when we closed. You said, um, I'm assuming that you want to know, how do you come up with an Allison and an Andrea? I really don't know the answer to that. I think it might just have been pure luck, but I'm delighted to take some credit to go along with the gray hair I have to dye every month.
1: Yes, that's exactly true. <laughs> well, yes, we're, we're fortunate. I think that is a really good point in that there is an element of chance involved. Sometimes you get dealt a very difficult hand with a child and you, you know, you listen to all the self-help things in the world and there are some kids who are just going to have a very difficult time. Don't blame yourself. It's, you're, you're, you're doing a good job. Yeah. And you
0: still, you still do all of these things for that child. Absolutely. So thank you for ending with that. And I'm so glad that you are willing to take at least a little bit of credit and teach us a little bit.
1: (laughs) It was fun to talk to you.
0: I have a little bit more of Marilyn to play for you so don't push stop yet as you could tell she's so delightful and fun and I just had to include some of the outtakes from our interview because her laugh alone makes me laugh out loud and I hope it will for you too but before we get to the outtakes I wanted to tell you a little bit more about that branding workshop that I went to in November because Allison's putting on another one on Friday, June 29th in Utah, and it's her last one for 2018. I'm not an affiliate for the workshop, I'm just a true fan. It genuinely helped me as I was getting the podcast off the ground. So if any of you have businesses or blogs or even just an idea that you can't shake for something that you want to start, I know that Allison's Branding Workshop will give you a deep sense of purpose and clarity as you move forward and like I mentioned in the intro you will meet some incredible like-minded women who are also chasing their dreams so you can find out more information about that at alisonsbrandschool.com and Allison is just one L or I will link it in my show notes which you can find right in your podcast app or at 3in30podcast.com. And now to those outtakes with
1: Marilyn. Forget about raising competent children. I'm hiding in the bathroom eating yogurt, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 We're get serious. Here we go.
0: <laughs> with a mouthful of yogurt, yeah.
1: right? <laughs> well, it's your turn to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you just eat. I'll just mute you out for the intro part.
1: Okay. Good. Back
0: in November, right when my podcast was just first getting started, I attended a branding workshop to help me get focused and gling. Mm. <laughs> Let me try that again.
1: <laughs> We're not even going think... to be able to do
0: this today. <laughs> I think I was distracted by, it. I almost started laughing at the yogurt. <laughs>
1: okay. <clears throat> I got to okay, get serious here. Okay. Okay. Oh. I'll be good. Your talent is your personality. Your talent is your personality. <laughs> you know, I've always thought that it, we used to always tell our children, your talent is your personality. Perfect. There's three. I, I three love it. On it. Yes.
0: Great. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to put some outtakes on this episode.
1: <laughs> I'm Stacey Toth. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. Right, sorry, I was about to get on a soapbox again.